Hello and welcome to MiceCast with your hosts Greg, Mike, and Shaft. Hello. Gre- <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> Greetings, yeah. Greetings, conscripts. Since, since that's Greetings, on everybody's minds. Yeah. All right, so... I, I don't know if it was on everybody's mind, but obviously you two were thinking about it. Yeah, we talked about... Uh, you know, last week we might we talked about the the possibility of seeing Tron when it first came out, and and we presupposed, or not presupposed, but also talked about whether or not we thought it might be successful or a flop. And uh, the numbers I I saw in the news this morning aren't quite flop worthy numbers. Did you see the numbers this morning, Greg? Since you're into that, uh, uh no. But since you mentioned it, I was going to jump over to. Uh box office mojo and see uh see what they have to say about it i saw it up in la i was at the disney studio studios all day and we decided to go see it um down at universal city walk every imax show for the day was sold out when we got there so this was friday then friday correct so uh we saw it in a 3d theater which was still good uh, I'm not sure if I'd totally agree with your estimates at this point. Um, here's what it did, according to Box Office Mojo. Domestic, it did $43 million. Foreign, it did $23 million. Ooh, that hurts. Wait a second. <clears throat> it's, it did 66, uh, $66.6 million worldwide. worldwide. That's bad. Well, it, you know, it depends if it can keep it going. It costs $170 million to make, double that for distribution and advertisement and all that. So you're looking at $340 uh, million, and opening weekend you did 66 You know, does it have the legs of a Toy Story, which I was skeptical about because of its production cost, which was more than Tron, but it had legs. It went on and on and on and on. Um, this doesn't have, I don't know if this will have the legs. I, I came away a little wanting. I enjoyed it. Visually stimulating. I thought the story was a bit weak. Um, a little lack of the action. Um, yeah, there's like two, two action set pieces really. Right. And well, two and a half. Well, I was looking for the tanks. We, we got to see a tank go by once. Oh, but, uh, but you saw the tanks shoot down those buildings when he was telling you the backstory. Yeah, wasn't quite the same. It was more like they were shot from a static location. You didn't really see the day glow, uh, you know, tanks. Um, uh, but anyways, I mean, I mean, it was interesting enough. I had a little bit of issues with Olivia Wilde coming out into the real world, but I guess if you can suspend enough belief to think the real person went into the computer, then maybe the computer could come out. Um, well, that was well, that was the whole <clears throat> conflict, right? The bad guy wanted to get out. Yeah, I thought he she'd come out in the little thing he put around his neck when he first walked away from that computer, thinking, okay, something in that code can help whatever. I didn't really – wasn't quite sure if I was going to see her come out or not. Um, the person I was joking with saying we what we missed, missed was the punchline when the son says, Dad, she's not real. She's missing some parts. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do certain things, you know? He didn't quite put it that way. I'm just trying to clean it up for you. Gotcha. <clears throat> well, the one oh. thing I'm looking at here on the numbers are... Okay, well, did, well, did you did you see it, by the way, Richard? No, I have not seen it. Okay, so you're talking I, strictly numbers here. You I'm, just, I'm just talking strictly numbers. Um, 
you know, when you said 43 million, I'm going, ooh, I was expecting at least, you know, in the 60, 70 range. But I'm looking at the numbers right now, and it says it was number one. The number two, which was Yogi Bear, which if I re- that came out also this weekend, was at 16. So we're almost three times uh, the next the, film. The next film. And just. Comparing it to some of the other things like uh, Harry Potter and uh, and otherwise, it might be it might have some legs going with it. It might just be that this happened to be a really slow weekend to go into. Next weekend, actually, I would have to say the following weekend would really uh, be the one to uh, judge off of. Well, I saw it. I saw it IMAX 10 a.m. Friday morning, and when I got into the theater. It wasn't a true IMAX size screen. It was. That's rude. It was a retrofit theater, so the IMAX screen wasn't as big as it was supposed to. But the, it was an IMAX sound system. So, you know, I kind of got the half-assed IMAX uh, did, experience. Did you, get the, did you get the good surround though? Yeah. Yes, the sound was good. Okay. Uh, like I just said, the size wasn't as immersive as you would expect uh, as the seventy-foot high screen that you would. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that film would have taken me any further in IMAX than without it. I mean, again, visually stimulating, I think a little too much real-life stuff in the beginning. I don't know. I'd, a lot less than the first film. Sure. <laughs> Come on. Sure. You know, it's been so long since I've seen the first one, uh, and I haven't seen it that many times. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I thought, okay, weak points... Oh, were we going to stream this show, by the way? Is this the big announcement night? or No. No, okay. Um, That'll be next week. And thank okay. you thank you for uh, making that little hook there for... Okay, great. Um, <laughs> when when, when um, Tron comes back to the light from the dark side, it's almost instantaneous. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, that was weak. You know, it wasn't a build-up for some struggle. It was almost like, okay, I heard something in my head. I'm going back to the light. Okay. How do you how do you balance uh, what is essentially a software program behaving like a person? Well, that's right. the whole problem with you know all of this in the first place, right? <laughs> so there's there's some suspension of belief here that disbelief. Well, okay. You're suspending your disbelief. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, it's a plausible impossible kind of thing going here because we've all had computers go wacky for no apparent reason. So uh, we had that going on tonight. Yeah, somehow the kids have jacked up my only remaining PC. Um, so you know, you wonder sometimes how you can get things like rogue viruses and things like that. So in some sense, you're 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 kind of seeing how okay within some programming they can do this or that, but it just seemed almost too quick of a turnaround and then the whole little scene in the bar which was funny don't get me wrong but it i had i had visions of jim carrey playing the joker and though <laughs> yeah, again it, yeah. was, it was funny but is it really what how computer programs would behave or, or have their recreation yeah there's nothing logical <laughs> about any of that at all um yeah well uh, you know regardless i think it was Interesting. I don't know if it's gonna. It's not gonna be. It will not be the third, unless I'm way off. It will not be the third billion dollar movie that the Disney Studios made this year. 
I don't think so either. I, I saw the film twice. I saw it Friday morning uh, because, you know, I'm that much of a, I was kind of geeking out a bit over it. Um, and you have a government job. Yeah, so. Well, I wasn't working. And you'd be surprised how many county employees I saw in that theater that no, day. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know. Uh, but, um, but my son, you know, he's, he, you know, he watches Disney Channel. So he would have been bugging me. Hey, I want to see Tron Legacy. Okay. Yeah, I want to see it first to make sure it's, uh, you know, okay, a, you, you, age appropriate. Come on. What? Really, it's it's PG, not even PG-13. You got to, you, you, know, you, you guys got to lighten up a little bit. You don't know, little, don't know what, up a little what got its PG there. rating from, right? So anyway, that was two missions. See <laughs> it, I, see I it first. I guarantee you, it's not getting a PG from tits and ass. Not these days. <laughs> no, no. So anyway, uh, you know. How, how, old, how old is the eight, son? Eight. Okay, so anyway, that's why I saw it a second how, time. How old's the daughter? Eight. Eight. <laughs> was, was I asking you, Richard? I, was, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm just I don't know if he's trying to catch I'm, me. It's like I'd forget. They're, they're or twins. Uh, Which one's older? The the girl's older. Okay, so she could have went to see it, but he couldn't. No, she had no interest. <laughs> he'd been bugging me for. Uh, okay, well, let me give you a little backstory. He'd been bugging me for almost two weeks. I want to see Tron Legacy. Okay, and Wednesday night. We went into the park for my nephew's birthday, and I took. He wanted to go over to go see. He wanted to take his dad to go see the preview, the sneak peek in Muppet Theater. So I took the boy. So after he saw that, it was like every two hours. Okay. Hey, so so you'd let him see the preview, but you but weren't sure seen, you'd let him I'd see already, the rest. Of the movie. I'd already seen the preview. I knew the preview was safe. It's a Disney movie. What Disney movie would you consider not appropriate for a kid? I don't know. Fantasia. Do you remember the black hole? You had the <laughs> devil okay. out of the hole? mount Bambi. <laughs> the mother yeah. gets shot in the woods. Did oh. you ever listen to Steven Spielberg? <laughs> it's so annoying having Richard in the same room. I can hear him echo off the walls and in my headphones. Just turn around, you know. Just no, no, it's not his fault necessarily. It's just, you know, the, the acoustics of the room. And so I'm turning up my headphones a little bit. So make my ears bleed. But at least hey, I, I want. I'm trying to stay right here, folks. No, that's, that's fine. It's, I say it. It's not your fault. Drag more mattresses uh, in the room. Well, I should have put up the green screen to at least you know pick up some dampening in the in the room. Um, anyway, I I took him to see the film Saturday night or evening, also 3D presentation. Well, wait, what were you going to say about the black hole? What wasn't appropriate? Black cauldron, black hole. No, no, black oh, hole. What was the, black what was hole. the first PG movie that Disney put out? Black hole. And no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, it yeah. was. <laughs> oh, what was the first R-rated movie that Disney put out? Yes. With the word Walt Disney Pictures in in, in the title card. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Walt Disney it was, or if it had Touchstone. It wasn't. I was saying, Touchstone or uh, Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood or Pictures. Max, yeah, no, is. Hollywood didn't come in yet. I think it was okay, just Touchstone. Tell us. We're, none of Tex. us were good. Tex. Tex? Tex. T-E-X, the one with... Yeah. Uh, Matt well, Dillon in it. Yeah. Matt Dillon, oh. Wait, I don't think that was our... <sighs> I think that was PG. I don't think anyway. So he saw he he saw the sneak peek. He'd been bugging me. I said I'm going to see it first to make sure because you never know what kind of something because kids latch on the crazy okay. things. Okay, all right. For, for, for let's just just get things right because I I know I've been bash or bashing on Shaft, but he's wrong. Text was PG. Oh, it was okay. So, so you're probably wrong, Mike. PG Tech was he? Tex was 1982. When was Black Hole was 1978 or 79? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I'll look it up right now if you like. Did you no, catch? No, that's okay. Did you catch the Black Hole reference? Yeah, yeah. That, actually, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. 
Dude, <laughs> yeah, and they're making it over. The same, the same dude. I, what do you mean, same dude? Same director? Same director, yeah. Is it, oh, God, he fucked up the first time. What's going to happen this time? Huh? No, you're right, 1979. The black hole wasn't exactly known. I mean, okay, for the day I liked it, I, th- I still think of any of the space backgrounds or... Um, uh, what what do, they, what do they call that when you paint the back? I'm, I'm glass. Going. The painting on the glass. No 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 not that. Just what's what's that considered? Richard, help me out. Like Peter Allen Shaw. Peter Allen Shaw. Harrison Allen Shaw. Map paintings. Thank you. Yeah. I think black holes. Map paintings for uh, space far outdone. Oh yeah. Most a, that's been done since. I mean, it was just beautiful. Beautiful looking movie. Yes. The rest. Well, not all, but the the movie in general was, uh, you know, pretty bad. Yeah, but when I, let's see, hmm, in '79 I was how old? Fifteen. I understand. I understand. I, you know, compared to what else we had, it was you know it was no Star Wars. Obviously, it was. I mean, I re, I do remember you know some girls I went out with and met from other schools, and we, they were they all felt sorry for Bob. <laughs> right, Bob. Bob, Bob pulled for some sympath, uh, sympath, sympathy, the, the sympathy for some, vote. Uh, yeah. But overall, so, so why do you why do you think why do you think Black Hole earned a PG rating? I I, uh, I have my uh, opinion. I think it's the right. I, I think it's for uh, potentially one uh, one particular violent moment and yep. the whole could it be hell? Could it be you know what is it at the end? But I would think it was when. Um, the big robot dude, and I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, uh, chewed up the... Max, Maximilian. Yeah, Maximilian chewed right through uh, Norman Bates. Norman Bates, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I would agree. I would agree that, that it was that part and also the part with the uh, astronauts being, quote-unquote, debriefed when uh, Ernest Borgnine pulls... Or was it uh, Anthony Perkins that pulls that face mask off that one guy? I don't think that was that was bad, but I think there was a couple of hells and... You know, in those days, you didn't get much of the four-letter words, even the hell types, in uh, uh, a G movie. So I think that was partly the PG. And it's like, did you really need to say hell here? It's like when when Star Trek first went to the big screen, it's like we have to throw in what the hell just because we can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for how many years and how many years of repeats that they never curse a word and they get to their first movie and they have to throw that in. But anyway. Anyway, so uh, I found my my need for preview was was unfounded because the film was – uh, the all the programs blowing up, shattering. Is that how you think the the Tron had a PG rating? Is I, I, simulated I was, death of a, a simulated violence and 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 death, probably. Yeah, some might you you know it could be maybe argued that some of the um, the characters there was a little sexual overtone to the you know the dress and yeah. the interaction, but. Um, you, you're hard pressed to find a G-rated movie anymore. So, you know, you almost kind of got to look at what's it take to get a G rating. Yeah. You know, I can't think of the last G movie I've seen. I mean, well, was, was Toy Story G? No, no, it was PG. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm, pretty I, certain. I'm glad you asked because I'm thinking, are you sure? Because <laughs> I want to say Toy Story three was was G, and I thought it could have been PG for the uh, uh, that little end. Build up. Where, it was G. Where, Thank you, Richard. You're you're zero for two today. Yeah. Where they're uh, where they're where they're sliding to their certain doom. 
Yes, I thought that was that was actually fairly dramatic. I, no, I did. Was it the Golden Globes got they kind of snubbed uh, on nominations? Toy Story three. I don't think there's a Best Picture nod for it. And quite frankly, you know, if Golden I'm Globes. Looking, you mean People's Choice? Uh, no, I thought the Golden Globe announced. Golden, you know. Golden Globes just announced this last week. Yeah. Here's here's my thought. You, you've got there's only a. See for best. And by the way, I was thinking when you said Toy Story, I automatically thought three. So uh, that's what I figured. I use that in my defense. It was still what? It was still G. Toy Story three was G, Richard. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so I said you're O for two. Okay. Um, you know, when you get down to the Academy Awards this year, you, you're thinking best anima- animated feature, and it's not a field of ten like best pictures. I think it's a field of four. There's some really good animated features this year. So you got Toy Story. You've got Dragon. You've got Despicable Me. Um, you've got um, the brain one. But I think, I think, I bet you anything. Megamind. Megamind. I, I'm, I'm going to bet dollars to donuts it doesn't get don- uh, nominated for Best Picture. Uh, best Animated Feature. And then what's the other one I'm thinking this year? Wait, for Animated Feature... Yeah, best animated. Uh, what's the fourth one? What am I thinking of? Who made it? That's what I'm trying to think. What what the big animated features were this year? Uh, you see, so Despicable Me, Toy Story, Dragon, not Tangled. And, oh yeah, Tangled. So there's oh, four. Okay. Okay. There's let's say let's say those are the four nominees. Where would you go? You know, I look at I look at Toy Story is. Part of what made it good is it built off of two prior films. I think his animation was pretty good. I think they kept, even though they still look like the basic same toys they've always been, they've cleaned them up, a little more hair here and there on the ones who get hair. You know, the details got better. Dragon, totally original. Mm-hmm. Based on a book, but totally original. Great story, greatly executed through the whole thing. I haven't seen Despicable Me, but everybody that has seen it says it's it's fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's a really good movie. I like it. It was made it was made for sixty nine million dollars, which you know, is dirt cheap for half the price of Toy Story three. <laughs> um, and then you have Tangled, which was beautiful. Story's a little thin, but the the animation was beautiful. You got the Viking guys. They're they're kind of like a I don't know, like a gay bank uh, biker gang, but they were fun. You know. Um, so it, I would be hard pressed to find the winner, and, and like I say, Despicable Me I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. It, it was a fun movie. It was really it was uh, it was uh, interesting. They actually had a pr- really good storyline, and Steve Carell did a great voice for. Uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Yeah, that's what I've heard, and I have a feeling you know I, I hear Lasseter's Gruel, 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 Gruel. I hear Lasseter's got quite an eagle about this and gets real upset when his films don't win and get nominated. So um, we'll have to see. Okay. Now, I, I, you know, Lasseter, John Lasseter's eagle, or I don't know, I don't want to use the word arrogance, but. Uh, Confidence? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, some of it's well founded, right? A lot, of, a lot of the films they've made have been original. But Toy Story 3 is not original. No, it's building on two prior. Now, I think they did a good job with where they took their franchise. Yes. The story was, well, we all know, is heartrending. And this is kind of the was, same story the last who had been. There was somebody in peril and somebody 
gets saved or lost and put back together but again. But the whole I mean, Andy, the whole Andy growing up and passing the torch thing—that's well, what—that's what kind quite, of saved this film, don't you think? Quite frankly, Mike, you should not like this film because it was so formulated. You've told me how much you dislike <laughs> formulated uh, books and movies. You would think you wouldn't like Toy Story. Um, uh, you know what? I enjoyed the film. Um, Can you believe it made the billion-dollar mark? Does it seem a little out of reach for a movie, again, that was, you know, it's kind of still the buddy movie. Um, uh, I think the I think the whole my son growing up and going to college resonated with a lot of people. You would think that the My Little Toaster would have resonated much larger than because yeah, no it was can, no really rela- kind of the same thing. No one know? can relate to a toaster though, but everyone well, can relate to yeah, a toaster and here's, a light, and a binky, and I mean, come on. But here's here's one thing: is you also have, uh, like you said, this is the third in the series. You take a look: how many years ago did the first one come out? Okay, a lot of the people that had seen the the movie, the first movie. They probably had those that had kids have their kids have grown up to about the same age as Andy, and it has a resonating feeling uh, with their kids going off to college. Those that were kids that saw it, they're now going. They're the ones that are now going off to college. So there's still a connection on that one, much more than uh, the Brave Little Toaster. Brave Little Toaster was a standalone, and it had, yeah, it had very similar story to it, but it was nothing that kind of would draw in that audience that had that same type of feelings to it. Fifteen years ago, uh, the original Toy Story came out. Mm-hmm. So. That's not a generation. No. <laughs> no, but you. But when you had kids, okay, that same kid 15 years ago that was six is now 21 is off to college. So you have a connection to it. Yes, or if they, yes. If they were 10, they went off to college a couple of years ago, but there's a connection to it. If you were eight, seven or eight years ago, you're now halfway through college yourself. Going, So there's still a connection to it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Just be a little clearer next time then. No, just I thought. I thought. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be hard. Pre- I, I would I would say Toy Story wouldn't be the best picture because it didn't break any new ground. Um, it just continued a story. Yet, you know, they did that with, um, you know, um, Lord of the Rings. And by the third one, you were just like, oh, man, this is great. I don't know that in this one it's to that level. I, I think I think the nod's got to go somewhere else, either Tangled. Personally, it'd be, I would be hard-pressed between Tangled and Dragon for best animated feature. I haven't seen Tangled, so I cannot comment. I'm, Tangled I is beautifully animated. I mean, Disney, finally Disney, not Pixar, stepped up and hit one out of the park. You know, I I gotta admit I have not seen Tangled either, and I have not. Uh, uh, what was the other one? You just uh, said, how to how to tame a how dragon. to tame a dragon? I have not seen either one of those two. Yeah. Uh, one I have seen though is Despicable Me, and I think that's going to be really really big in the running right there. there. You know, the part of the reason I don't think it will be is and I haven't seen it, so I, I, I have I have heard the story's really good. It's this animated style. Whose style? Think, despicable me. I think that oh. might hold against it. It's it's somewhat simple in some ways. Yes, yes. And that might be the thing like if you if you haven't seen the I think it's called the Book of Kells. It was one that was nominated last year. Uh and I've been told I've only seen it on because I couldn't find it in the big screen. I've only seen it on Netflix. 
I, I understand it played much better on a big screen, but it was a really different animation style, which is partly the reason I was kind of hoping it might be the underdog. Um, and it was out of uh, Scotland and Ireland, I think, kind of a joint production thing, if I remember right. might not be totally right there, but um, it just didn't play well. I, th- I think... I think people are looking more for that big CGI look in these films. And that's, you know, Tangled had a mix of, you know, Disney-esque look with the CGI type look. And I think it played really, really well. Yeah. The story's just, but you know. Well, I did tell you that uh, last year we had the uh, animators coming through the park. They were going through uh, Fantasyland and making sketches off of it. And when I asked them that, they were doing a Rapunzel story, so they wanted to get the sketching off the buildings. Uh, I, doubt, I doubt if it was last year. This this thing has been in the works 15 uh, years, believe what, it or not. What, Tangled? Yeah. It's had a couple different directors. It's had a lot of pre, uh, pre-production, pre story, stop, start, you know, that kind of a thing. It's It's been one of those ones that's been on their boards in some kind of production for a long time. And I'm telling you, this is not stuff that just popped up last year because they were sketching Fantasyland. This, this, this has been... You know, even in this stage, being made for a while, they're they're long past sketching in Fantasyland uh, last year. Um, I, I just I can't buy that one, Richard. I'm sorry, but it's they, these these are too complex to be throwing this together last year. Okay, all I know is the people I talked to were from the studio. Well, maybe they told me what they said. Yeah, they're lying. They their, what do you think of that? Yeah, true. They're covering their bases for something else. Maybe it was actually people from Imagineering rethinking what they're doing or they're working some details out for the Florida park, which is a great uh, segue, by the way, to, and I don't remember where I read this, but I just did read this the other day. Where are your sources? Stags. Is that the new guy that's taken over? Yes. And Rex? Yes. Okay. And it might have actually been on the Disney website then. Um, even as the... Um, bulldozers are bulldozing actually no where did i see this thing i found a link to it and i I was reading it they are kind of changing their minds and this kind of goes back to the story that we did what a couple weeks ago about margot uh yeah yeah complaining about all the princess things or the princess things going away they stags's idea is maybe this new fantasy land was a little too princess centric so they're going to try to say generic it a little bit or take some of the princess things or even it scale, out scale them back even out there's gonna it's not gonna come off the way we've seen it um, and you know it might have been one of those like email updates from somebody let me see if it's actually uh, no this email doesn't talk about that that's oh did we read that email about the elderly lady and the f bomb. No, we did not. No. It's <laughs> a great email. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. No, I, no, I can't find I, it, but I, I did just read it. I'm you very thankful. I'm, no, I'm saying I'm very thankful for all our listeners, but someone who's a regular should know that you shouldn't be playing our stuff at work. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be playing it un, uh, not on headphones. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Letting everybody else enjoy it. <laughs> yes. That's why but then again, you know, I'm sorry, I, and I'm one of those Christian types. Um, you know, you got to let some things go. Not everybody's like you. Don't don't get so upset. Just move on, shake your head, and you know, I don't know. I think some people just get really bent out of shape for no reason at all. Um, okay, I think I have found it. Though I think this is a reprint from another article 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because it came from the Orlando, or uh, uh, the Orlando Sentinel. And the one thing here, let me just read this real quick. The construction okay. walls have been up for months, but Walt Disney World says its plans for the expanding Fantasyland are being redrawn in an attempt to broaden its appeal. When the Fantasyland expansion plans were introduced last year, the first thing most Disney fans noticed was the new area of the theme park was aimed squarely at one demographic: <laughs> young girls. There was a Little Mermaid. Uh, theme park right castles for Belle and Ariel or I'm sorry Aurora and three interactive princess meet and greet areas you know I might have been okay except for the three meet and greet places we just got way too many meet and greet as far as I'm concerned sure the marketing of the Disney princess has, has been one of the company's biggest wins ever but where's the boy stuff? apparently it's a question that Tom Staggs the new chairman of the Disney parks and resorts was asking too he's the dad of three young sons after all Orlando Sentinel oh. writer Jason Garcia interviewed Skaggs this week and confirmed the rumors that Fantasylands are being redrawn. Staggs indicated that the new plans may involve more thrills as planners are reviewing the mix of aspirational rides with thrills of tension and rides that are for everyone. Staggs said that the changes to the Fantasyland shouldn't delay the 2012-2013 opening dates of the new attractions. Testing and research on new guest experiences that are to be incorporated into the new attractions, such as Disney's new Qless weight system, have also been going on at Walt Disney World for several months. I'm still not sold on the Qless um, System Now, this article isn't quite the whole one I read before because what disturbed me about the other one I had seen was uh, it had some little reference to um, bloggers such as Jim Hill and mm. uh, what's uh, what's the other one we always rip on? Uh, My, Al, Lutz. Al, Lutz. Uh, Al Lutz. have been talking about this for weeks or something like that. I'm like, oh, well, those. Nim Is there an F-bomb coming? Yeah, well, those Nimrods ever go away. But anyways, um, that's basically the same crux of the story that I had said I heard or read somewhere. So there you go. Now, what I have a hard time believing is that they would not change the opening date unless it's a staggered opening date. Again, unless they're taking something off the shelf and putting some Disney theme to it, how can you now uh, in 2000 – well, let's call this 2011 – be ready in a year – to two years, to one design, to get permits, cost evaluate, blah, 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 down the line. You know what I'm saying? Unless they're going to take these shells, you know, the diff, because I really actually think the drawings were beautiful. You know, to see Aurora's Castle or, you know, the uh, Bell's Town there. Bell's Town, leave that. And then they're changing something interior wise. Uh, you know, how hard is it maybe to make, you know, Let's change Buzz and make it Gaston's shooting gallery. I mean, you know, it could be done, right? Yeah. Maybe not well, but it could be done. So I'm a little skeptical on uh, the opening unless you can walk through it, but you can't get in it. The old Haunted Mansion stand there for six years as a building that you can't go into type of thing. So, you know, it's kind of, um, we'll have to see where it goes. We'll, I'll tell you, we'll keep our eye on it. How's that? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh should we uh, move on to the big thing that you said you guys were going to do tonight and we have not touched on yet? What big thing you say? Uh, oh, in case yes, you haven't already, yeah, in case you haven't already seen it, Yesterland and Jim Corcus revisited the whole Casablanca plane and the great movie ride story. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's not a myth after all, says Tim, one of our regular listeners and emailers, and he gave us a link to Yesterland.com 
which is a great website, by the way. Werner Weiss, I've met him once or twice. A great guy. He's kept a really good uh, site on the history of the parks. That's why it's called Yesterland. And he goes to uh, basically talks about stuff of the past, actually. Um, now, what's interesting here, uh, Warner kind of does a little um, Snopes or Snoops. Uh, yeah, Snopes, people, yeah. Everybody does it different, Snopes. Uh, this might be true, false, yes, no thing. Now, have you guys ever heard of this Jim Corcus dude? Yes. He yes. had a book just released called Vault of Walt. Yes, I, I, I've heard that now that I've read through this, and I looked him up because – I had kind of seen the name dropped a few times, and from what I understand, he's almost so regular on the Walt Disney World radio podcast with Lou Mangiello that you might only might almost consider him a regular. So he, I guess he's being really leaned on a lot by some folks because um, he's supposed to be such a knowledge base um, of all things Disney. So I, I, I don't know. I guess, you, you know, okay, look, here's the fun thing. Let's, let's make a new tab. Cause I love tabs and browsers and type in Jim Corcus, because even though I looked him up, I thought, wait, this guy is supposed to be this all knowledgeable, all this published stuff. And then I looked at what it was. And I got to say, I was a little less impressed than, um, uh, some other people might be. Now, I understand he used to be a regular on Jim Hill, and then they, they had a parting of ways. Um, he was a regular contributor to his site. So, um, uh, so uh, go ahead. now you want to kind of cover, Mike, as I'm looking this up, what the whole deal is about the Casablanca plane? Well, actually, I'm, I'm now reading the, the actual article. <clears throat> okay. Well, perhaps so, now. Well, uh, okay. The you know, no, our, don't ask Richard for the overview. We'll no, be here no, two hours. Our, yeah, our assertion <laughs> is, is that, or the common uh, movie history belief is that the 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 plane in the, at the end of Casablanca was a forced perspective miniature with you know little people walking around the plane. So because the scene was filmed well after principal photography had finished, right? Well, I think we actually did find some. Um, credible historians, uh, movie historians, film historians, that said it was a miniature, and that what you see in the background is, you know... And we actually, we actually came across some photos of uh, behind-the-scenes photos of the set. Yeah, well, what I think they're doing in this case with this new article, and I just looked up Jim Corcus again, you know, another than this Vault of Walt, there's one where he co-wrote How to Create Animation, and the Encyclopedia of Cartoon Superstars and animators, buyer guide, and price guide. There's not a you know uh, stuff by Jim Corcus that would make you jump off the page and say, "Oh, I got to talk to this guy. He knows everything Disney. He's got a lot of stuff about you know non-Disney cartoons and stuff." So I'm, I'm so far I'm not impressed with the credentials, but you know that might just be me. I'm hard to impress these days. Right. Okay. But he, here's the thing where they he that you might stretch the. I don't want to say the truth. You might stress a few things just long enough and thin enough that you say, okay, I can buy that. And here's where I'm going. We know for sure, Richard, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to you on this. This is one I, I know you're pretty confident with. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> we know for sure by looking up some of the his, history on film that when they're out there, it's a model behind them. And, and, you know, not necessarily a tiny model, could be a, a scaled model, but it, it's not a real plane, correct? That is correct. Okay. 
Now, you said you just... We're talking now, for those that are... This is the final scene in Casablanca. Okay. I believe everybody's should be well, on the page just, for that. I since just we're, want to make sure we're, 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 we're there. Okay, how about this? Let's make it more clear since uh, Richard's muddied up the waters now because I thought everybody was clear on this. The scene you see in the great movie ride, okay? Right. Basically, the end of the movie when they're, you know, having all those famous lines in the film. Okay, so you just viewed the film a week or so ago. Is that not correct? A couple Shaft? weeks ago, yes. Okay. Now, where I think they're going with this after, have you completed reading this yet, Michael? Uh, no, I'm about halfway through. Okay. Have you got to the picture where it shows a real Lockheed Electra 12A taking off from the Los Angeles Metropolitan Airport? Mm, no. Okay. Yeah, oh, yes. I, I just scrolled down to it. Yes. Okay. Scroll. Okay. Here's where I think the truth is being stretched or made to fit the circumstances. Okay. We're talking about a particular scene where people have said over the years, this is the plane that you see in this scene, correct? Yes. It's the plane that's been seen in the scene when they're saying uh, their last goodbyes or whatever they say. It's been so long that uh, I can't remember what they say to each other. Richard? I know you can't resist. What did they say to each other at the end of this movie? Oh, it's a good line, and I can't remember all of it. <laughs> it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Or that, something no, like that's, that. that's the very last line. That's what he says to Frenchie. He goes, uh, something, if I remember correctly, uh, if you don't go, you'll regret it. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but you will soon. Okay, good, good enough. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. So that is the scene that's being recreated in the great movie ride and where the plane is and blah, 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 blah. Now, if you see that picture where it's flying, and what you'll see that he's saying is, look, a real plane did actually fly here. Okay? Then about, it says, about one minute before the end of the film, the plane takes off. The takeoff consists of three separate shots. The first had no actors. The Lockheed Electra 12A is gaining altitude. It appears to be a real plane flying at a real airport. Now, um... I go through the frames over and over. Boy, Jim, you're, I'm, he's dedicated. He's going through it. The plane behaves exactly like a real plane, just with the right amount of wiggle. It's taking off in front of the distinctive twin hangars of the Los Angeles Metropolitan Van Nuys Airport on the same runway where Major Strasser's plane landed. It's either a real plane, plane taking off or it's an incredibly sophisticated special effects shot. Uh, quite frankly, that would not be very sophisticated, even in in, in 1942, uh, to do that shot as a special effect. Um, but you see where I'm going? They're trying to say that, okay, a real plane was shot landing or flying. Okay, So because a real plane was flying, then, okay, there might be a real Casablanca plane. Because now we're not just talking about the one in the background. And then the other one that cracks me up... There's a picture if you scroll up a little bit, Mike, um, that says real elect Lockheed Electric 12A starting yeah, its, its engines. engine. Uh -huh. Okay, again, I love this. Around four minutes before the end of the movie, there are two very quick aircraft engine shots with dramatic noises from the mighty piston engines revving <laughs> up and their propellers turning. One shows the starboard engine. The other shows the cockpit and port engines. Mist is being sprayed into the scene and both shots in an attempt to match the foggy look of the rest of the ending. 
Skillful sound editing of the engine noise makes this footage blend well with the soundstage footage. The pilot is clearly visible moving around in the cockpit. An Air France winged hippocomp, water horse from Greek mythology, logo has been applied over the Lockheed lighting bolt stripe. It's not a real Air France plane because Air France never operated this aircraft type. Now this is it, Warner. This is Warner White's, uh, not Corcus. No, no, no. I believe this is all Corcus writing. Yeah, no, this, this is Corcus. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, well, well. Wait. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. Just let's, okay. let's continue my absurd reading here. It looks absolutely like a real plane to me, and it just wouldn't make sense to create a model this detailed. Equipped with real operational engines and propellers for a couple of one-second shots. Also, if the models were this perfect, there would be no need for the fog. But I tell myself that perhaps... God damn it, Richard. Turn away from the mic. But I tell you this, that perhaps I am mistaken. You're, You're... you're screwing my mojo in the mood. No, it just came. That, but that hurts the ears, man. You're like you're right hurt, in. You're, you're harsh in my zen. I took off my mic. <laughs> oh, that's hard to believe. Anyways, um, now, I would I would argue a little bit with a lot of this. That could be a model. Hollywood was known for doing that. For all we know, this is a real plane in, the, in a soundstage revving its engines up. Just because they move doesn't mean they aren't enhanced. And, you know, I know I'm trying to stretch it to go possibly the way we're thinking it is it that was a lot of model work but they create very well what looks real on the screen in person sometimes they look like a pile of crap but um i don't know i I feel like they they want it to be so true that they're looking for any particular reason to say that it possibly could happen well here's what it comes down to Okay, you have the you have the uh, shot of the engine starting up. I'll buy that. That that's a Lockheed. You have the shot of that. I think it was about a total of about four, maybe five seconds. I don't even know if it's that long. Shot of the airplane taking off. I'll buy that. That's a real airplane. But the real question is: Was the original legend was the Lockheed Electra that they found to put in the great movie ride? Is this? It was discovered to be the same aircraft that was actually used in the movie Casablanca. And with these two shots, uh, these two shots would have been a second unit crew at best that would have done just for the insert shot. They would have gone just to throw something together because what Greg and I discovered, which if you think about it, it was only totally obvious. This was during World War II. This was just literally months after Pearl Harbor. They didn't want film crews around airports recording what airports looked like. So if they did get, actually get a shot of the airplane, it was going to be minimal amount of people and very I, fairly tight shots. I think you're missing something, Richard. You're, you're partly on. You're partly off. It's not what they look like, <clears throat> but they're filming at night. What happened at night during the war? Blackouts. Oh, Blackouts, yeah. Thank you. It would be hard-pressed to film with blackouts. Now, there is a little bit here at the end where the guy says, I found, uh, then I discovered another book. 
in Casablanca Behind the Scenes by Simon & Schuster, 1992, author Harlan Liebel describes how the nighttime shots of the Electric 12A became part of the movie. Production manager Al something, successfully obtained permission from the 4th Interceptor Command, which governed the airspace in the Los Angeles area. It was a remarkable achievement, considering near-nightly blackouts due to the concern about the possibility of Japan attacks, Jap- sorry, Japanese attacks. Michael Curtis, the director of Casablanca, was able to send a second unit to what is now Van Nuys Airport, just as filming of the studio airport sequences was wrapping up. That says the fi- Here's how the guy described it. The filming of the airport scenes on stage one with onset augments, 11th hour arrival of dialogue, and directional script manipulations marked a turning point in the production. The shooting had passed its toughest obstacles as most most of the difficult filming was completed. The production rolled towards its conclusion. With sighs of relief, Curtis ramped up the last of the airport sequences on July 22nd, the most, the most arduous five-day shooting days of the picture. The day before, Curtis showed... Uh, passed its uh, Curtis show passed its planned completion date. The production was by this time officially over schedule. The next day, at Warner Second Unit Director by Ross Lieberman filmed the on-location night shots of the Lisbon plane, a two-engine elect- uh, Lockheed Electra, at the Los Angeles Metropolitan Airport. The night shooting was indeed had been arranged in the midst of world of the World War, and influenced with the f- um, because this guy had influence with the 4th Interceptor Command, which had prevailed. Now, at the very end there, there, the busted myth has been unbusted. And quite frankly, I'm still not... Um, uh, con- it's but, still but supposition. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish what I was going to say, though. Circumstantial is, is that, okay, right there, it's a second unit, and they're doing something that's fairly, in the film industry, quick and dirty. They're going in, getting a couple quick shots and everything, finding somebody with the Lockheed Electric. Now... I doubt if there's any documentation that showed whose Lockheed Electra that they have that has survived the test of time. And to be able to say that the Lockheed Electra that's in the great movie ride is indeed the, the real plane that was used in the movie, uh, there, there's too many holes in that. And I can't. And I have to say the legend is still busted because I don't think that's the same plane that was used Actually, okay. Okay. well, here's some of the the exchange between Warner and Corcus. Um, Warner, I think we figured out that any claims that there was no real plane at the end of Casablanca are false. Now, the big question is whether the plane in the movie and the plane in the ride are the same one. What can you tell me about this plane? About the plane is the right? Oh, okay, he's got it's some typos. Yeah. Okay, but let's let's look at that question at first. I don't think anybody ever questioned whether or not there was a real plane in the movie. What they questioned is the scene. Was there a real plane? No, in the scene there was not a real plane. I don't think I would have ever questioned was there a real plane in the movie because obviously there's more than one. But in this particular scene, to say they they had the plane from this scene at the end, that's absolutely a bunch, still, not. still a bunch of crap. And they, and they and that's true. That's you're absolutely right. And they, so, but, they even admit it here in this little dialogue. Oh, yeah. So here we go. So here's Jim. The plane that appears in the Casablanca tablo, 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 yes. tablo in, in the great movie ride is indeed a Lockheed Model Electra 12A, which is a small six-passenger twin-engine plane used in the late 30s by small companies or private individuals. This one had a long and colorful career, including being used in some movies in the 40s. 
When the Disney company checked the serial number, verifying that it had been registered to the film studio at the time, they assumed it could have been used in Casablanca and, in fact, announced in 1998 that it was indeed the same plane. Now, let's stop there for a second because I've read a few different accounts of this. One, they found this plane out in the Midwest somewhere, I think it was. I want to say Texas. I'm not 100 Yeah, the Texas the article. Already. And the guy claimed it had been, but I never remember finding anything, at least online, that said they had done history checks and they'd found that it had been at the studio and they made some assumptions. That part, now maybe Jim's got better access to things than I do, but I've never seen those particular stories uh, anywhere, though I've looked for them. Okay, from from my angle, when uh, they were refurbishing the plane at uh, Walt Disney Imagineering, I was talking to one of the Imagineers that was actually working on the project. They did indeed do a, uh, well, basically you have to do a title check anyways when you're buying an aircraft. It's only a smart thing to do. But they did do some history check on the airplane, and the airplane was registered in the Los Angeles area. And at that time, they were telling me that this was the plane. Okay, now it goes on a little bit. Uh, Warner is saying, to me, it seems possible it's the same plane. You see how they're reaching here? It's it's it seems possible. Yes, because okay. yeah, because they want it to be. But exactly. I've read that I've read that the Lockheed 130 Electric 12A aircraft. Do you think it's? Oh, sorry. But I've read that Lockheed built the 100 130 Electric 12A aircraft. Do you think it's the same, Jim Corcus? I know when the revelation came out that no real plane was used in the scene that one Imagineer I know who has always been a reliable source that's, you know, yeah. he's so reliable we can name him, told me that he was confused. I, you know, if, if somebody told me this was Tony Baxter, I wouldn't be surprised <clears throat> because he's been, he's been a, um, say, um, he's been at the heart of many not so correct and a lot of correct. So don't get me wrong there, but, you know, sometimes it seems to always come back to a few people. Um said he was part of the team that located the plane. Okay, maybe not, because he probably doesn't go anywhere anymore. He was part of the team that located the plane, and investigating the serial number did show it was at Warner's at that time period. So back to Warner. So Warner's apparently had the plane in 1942, but couldn't use it with the actors. The usual reason given is that the soundstage wasn't big enough. Even if it had been, it would probably not have been possible to move an airplane that size with permanently attached wings down city streets from an airport to Warner Brothers Studios. Well, again, I don't know that I would agree. And quite frankly, a couple of Disney's sound stages are plenty big enough. I, I don't. I maybe no, don't speak, forget Disney yeah. sound stages were at the time they were the biggest ones ever built. I know, but even, even think of the smallest sound stage you've seen. I mean, they're they're not terribly small. I think there's a few sound stages around 42 that could have got this plane. Remember, they just described that it's not real large, you know. Yeah. So, well, even still, I mean, there the there is an aircraft that's in the hangar that they're all standing right next to that's a full-scale uh, model if I remember correctly. So, it would have been something that you could have conceivably just moved the airplane closer and have your have your people closer. Too, but they wanted the distance, and so they built the um, half-scale mock-up. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, quite frankly, again, yes, they've got a real plane taking off and landing. Um, and there's an earlier shot in the movie when um, uh, Major Strasser's airport land or air, airplane lands. It's a different type of airplane. Uh, so, yeah, quite, quite frankly, yeah, there are a couple real ones. I think what it gets down to is. The plane that is in that scene, not that 
a plane that flew in the movie was, you know, that's not the way they, the, the, I think the claim went out, we have the plane that was in this scene in the movie. Not yes, one that yes. was used for a for final a, shot. The wingspan of electric was almost 50 feet. So do, well, do stage, do soundstage doors open up 50 feet wide? Well, there you got me. Because, no, they probably don't. But, uh, you know, planes are moved all the time by what? Taking sure. the wings off. Yeah, exactly. Well, here, here's what, what it, when I was over at WDI and I was talking to the Imagineer and we were talking about the plane, we were talking about this is the plane that was used in the film, that was used in that scene, and the scene was shot on the tarmac. Well, part of... Uh, WDI is built on the tarmac and runway of the old Glendale Airport in the and we were talking to that the movie was filmed there at the Glendale Airport well correctly the shot that you see in the picture and it mentions it here it's over at the Los Angeles Metropolitan which is now called the Van Nuys Airport um, so and then back to what Greg, what you and I were reading about, they wouldn't be allowed to shoot a major scene, especially if you're going to have actors, you're going to have to light it up and everything like that. That wasn't going to be allowed, so that's why all that stuff was done in the soundstage. So, for the most part, going right back to the same question, is that the plane that was used in the final scene where here's looking at you, kid, is said? No, it's not. It might have been an insert shot, a, a you know, a, a cutaway for four seconds that they happen to shoot a Lockheed Electra, and it might have been that plane, but it's not the. Sh- but the push come to shove. The question is: Is it the plane in the scene? No. Right, because there is no plane in the scene. Right. Now I did scroll back up to the top, and I thought I was. It was Texas. Yeah, they found it in Hondo, Texas. And somebody else pointed out here in this article, or and you're right, it was Warner that was writing the main part of it. There is a part where. Um, uh, from the original s- story, from the Chicago Tribune, they even had the um, the park wrong. They uh, were they said Disney the together props from significant movies for an attraction called the Great Movie Ride at Disneyland. But then again, remember we were supposed to have a Hollywood Street before um, the MGM Disney MGM was conceived. So there, it is very possible while they were out looking for this it still could have been back to that Hollywood street at Disneyland. So it might not be off in those respects, but but by the time we get around to talking about it, it's off because it would have been a Disney world. But, um, uh, they, the guy says, the quote says that, uh, except Volan pointed out that Disney said, only said it was probably the same plane. So, um, but it was found in Hondo, Texas. So yeah, I, th- I think I think it's still a, uh, a it's it's a it's a it's a bogus thing. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it could it could have been the one that flew in the pickup shots, the B rolls at the end. But it's not the plane that was in this particular scene. Yeah, no, the, it, he's he's uh, connecting the dots so it, it, as to make the the claim that it isn't make the claim to be not a lie. This is the same airplane yes. that appeared in the movie Casablanca. Well, yeah, now you've changed your story because originally it was what you see here is this scene and this the real airplane that appeared in this scene and we all know that's a bunch yeah. of crap. So, you know, yeah, and quite frankly, looking at a cut from the film and back to the set that's in the, the MGM, I think they really, they kind of blew it. They should have put the car 
They should have put him up close. I mean, they, they've got him putting his hand on her uh, arm, just like in the movie. Her expression isn't quite the same. She looks really dumbstruck in the, the film. <laughs> um, but in the plane's way in the background. They could have re- recreated this exactly and had no controversy. I really think they wanted to impress people by having what appears to be a full-size plane right inside the... the Here, here's another oh, thing. Well, is it, it is did, a full-size plane. Uh, well, <laughs> half well, of yeah, a full-size plane. You know what I'm saying. I think yeah. they wanted to impress people by having it up close, and they really didn't need to because that changed the look of the actual film. Here's the funny thing. is Every picture I've seen of a Lockheed Electra uh, 12A is three-bladed yeah. three props. Where's the third? In the, in the nose? No, the propellers no, three have three blades. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And in the great movie right here, they're showing two. Uh yeah. Okay, here's a, I've seen a picture of a two bladed one now. Okay, but a lot of them are three. Oh, okay. I wonder if it's when they change from con- from variable speed props to constant pitch props. Huh. Uh, you know, in, at the end, you know, if, you might be interested in these other Easterlane articles featuring discussions with Jim Corkers about Walt Disney World myths, blah blah blah. Urban legend: Swan and Dolphin reversed. The urban legend about Disney's contemporary. Jim Corkers is the author of the Walt Disney Vault, 2010. Really, he doesn't have a whole lot out there. For this person that they're turning around saying, Jim Corcus is a well-known and respected Disney historian who has written hundreds of articles and done hundreds of presentations about all things Disney for over three decades. His personal research has received international acclaim for documenting the previously unexplored areas of Disney history. His extensive expertise and knowledge have been used many times by the Walt Disney Company itself for special projects. How do you verify his claims, though? How do you verify anybody's claims? Jim is not currently a Disney cast member. For a period of time, he also wrote Disney history articles under the pseudonym Wade Sampson. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, yes, I know what you mean. It's, it's well, sometimes like we claim, no, that's wrong. Well, what if we were actually wrong and something was the other way? I don't know, but he really, he's only really got one book. He's got a lot of articles he's written on websites. Um, so and actually, his book looks self-published. I know it's being here; it's being shown on Amazon by, but by looking at the cover and the way it's put together, it looks like a self-publication. It might not be, and maybe I'm insulting him, but you know, uh, it's oh, it's got a Kindle first edition. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just it just looks like a self-publish. The artwork and stuff. Um, nothing wrong with that. You know, more more power to him. It does have a forward by Diane Diane Disney Miller, so at least she's impressed. Um, so, oh well. I was I was just taking a quick look at something on a completely different thought because I remember twin tail aircraft being used in uh, it's a mad 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 world. But I looked that one up. It's a beach craft that was yeah, used small, in much smaller. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I never got from from you did Tron. Did you like it? Oh, you know, I enjoyed it. I, it, it, I mean, it to was, bring the circle back, but no, no, you, you okay. jumped it, on it, this so fast. I don't. It was visibly uh, stunning, I think. I thought the story was a bit weak. But I, I left, uh, well, one, someone else took me, so yeah. I didn't have to, I, you know, I, I can't say that it wasn't worth my money. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we saw it in 3D. Did it give me anything extra in 3D? It wouldn't have in 2D? I don't think so. No. I, I don't know if it was worth the, the 3D. I, th- I think it was done in post. I don't think it was filmed in 3D. By the looks of it, I, I, you start to find the ones that are filmed in 3D show you just a little more than some of the post ones. Though I do have to say, I, I saw a stunning, oh, excuse me, that time it was me, a stunning 3D trailer 
or Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> One with, sword, with, with one, yeah, say one cheap 3D trick, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it, and it worked. Uh, <laughs> now, there's something that, by the way, I find interesting. I have got confirmation there will be two more uh, pirate movies. Really? Yeah. Now, oh. here's what I find interesting, and I, I don't think most people are picking up on this yet. I read the book that this movie is based on 15, maybe 18 years ago. The author of this book is a SoCal local. He has won many fantasy um, writer awards. He teaches at Chapman University. Is this Dean Koontz? No. This is a guy named Tim Powers. Um, He's described as an American science fiction and fantasy author. Uh, He's actually born in New York, but he's been out here for a long time. He's won the World Fantasy Award twice for his critically acclaimed novels Last Call and Declare. His nineteen ninety there you go, nineteen eighty eight novel On Stranger Ties was optioned for adaptation into the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, his stuff is really good. Now right now he studied literature, English literature at Cal State Fullerton. Um Let's see, he's, his books just are really, really, really good. Let's see, he's, what is it? He powers, teaches part-time uh, in his role as writer in, the res- in residence at the Orange County High School of Arts. I knew somebody that went there. Um, he also, Chapman University. Uh, he's also taught part-time at the University of Redlands. Uh, but it, uh, the first thing that attracted to me to On Stranger Tides was the uh, cover. You know, book. Uh, don't don't judge a book by its cover, or you're attracted to books by their cover. You know, had this this picture that reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean. That you had the the skeleton um, at the helm of the ship. You know, like you do down in in the haunted mansion. So I picked it up. It had kind of a mixture of you know mythical, uh, you know, uh, witchcraft and pirates, and sounded really interesting. So I read it. It was great. Um, and one of the other books I read by him, he's describing being in on like Lido Island, downtown Balboa, and then he's he's on his way to Vegas. He's in, Ve- you know, so he's describing everything that's like in my backyard, sort of like Dean Koontz does, right? Yeah, yeah. Someone gets you know murdered. Oh my God, I used to run along there. I used to walk <laughs> my dog. Oh no, I'm not doing that anymore. Same kind of thing. And his books are really, really good. Um, he did one. He he wrote two novels. He and I read them both. I'm all this. These are really cool. Then he wrote a third, which tied the two together, which was really cool. Um, a lot of stuff around L.A., the Queen Mary, you know, stuff of that, um, stuff of that nature. So so really really good stuff. One one was really cool. It's like a writer. Let's call. Let's see. Pick a pick a famous writer from the past. I doesn't care who it is because I'm just going to kind of tell you how one of his things went. Um, Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, take Edgar Allan Poe. But let's say Richard's Edgar Allan Poe. And somehow Richard goes back in time. And he knew Edgar Allan Poe, by history, was supposed to show up in a certain um, pub. Okay. Okay. So Richard goes to this pub expecting to see Edgar Allan Poe. And while he's waiting, he scribbles down a little poem or... Uh, by Edgar Allan Poe while he's waiting for Edgar Allan Poe. Uh-huh. Edgar never shows up. Eventually, he goes back in time again to his normal time. He notices, 
it's written in my own handwriting. He is Edgar Allan Poe. You know, and the book was much more detailed than that. But those kind of things happen in this book, you know. And um, so, anyways, I think it should be interesting to see how they um, put Jack into his book. There is a character, believe it or not, named Jack, Jack Shandy, I think it is. And so, if they take Jack Shandy out and make that Jack Sparrow. And then, you know, they can't help but change novels anyways, change some other things to make it work into the, the uh, Pirate of the Caribbean lore. It should be interesting. You know, I, I saw that trailer. And I'm, I'm, it's one of those things. I think they make this movie not because the stories are so strong or they're out there, you know, because obviously they're scraping, not scraping, but they're, they're using, they're shaping stuff to fit. But it's a character. I think the Jack Sparrow character, and the way Johnny Depp does it, is just you can't help but look at him. Then you, you can't. A couple you, others, Barbosa and some of the supporting characters with him but too. But you can't help but watch him and know, and wonder what the hell he's going to do next. Yeah, th- there is a certain amount of that, and, and Barbosa is really the only major character returning. Um, now, I do think, did you, I, I couldn't really recognize him. Was his dad still the rock yeah. star? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. I was just taking okay. a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, short of that, none of the other ones are back. Now, are the one, the, the one, crew. The, well, the we, crew. Know, we know the one crew is the guy with the mutton chops. Uh, yeah. We know he is, but we don't know about the, the two sidekicks with the eyes and uh, the piece of, piece of eight eye and, and all that. We haven't seen them yet, at least in these trailers. Sure, they might be back, but we don't know. Uh, because we're a couple constants through the movies were the the two idiot uh, English dudes. Yeah, the two uh, yeah red coats. Uh-huh. Yeah, the two red coats and those other two pirates, uh, the sidekicks. They were kind of like a constant. No matter what happened, they ended up turning up, and something pivotal pivotal happened around them. Maybe not in this one. I, I was actually surprised to see Barbosa because I had heard no. Uh, the big ones are returning, but I guess what they meant by that, no Orlando Bloom, no um, uh, Titless Wonder. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry um, I know uh, you meant. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Penelope Cruz. Not Penelope Cruz. Oh, He's no, talking oh, about the previous movies. Bend it uh, like Beckham Kira Girl. Knightley. What the heck's her name? Kira Knightley? Kira yes, Knightley, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. That just, that just came out. Yeah. Well. Uh, it's true, but it just yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, anyways, uh, but yeah. So that's that's. I found well, that out, and when we were, I went to the the studios on Friday in the rain. What a what a long day walking around the studio in the rain. Uh, they've got a couple great displays of pirates sitting around three um, D. There's actually there was one in the in the theater too. It's like a big silver skull. Uh, uh, that's not just a flat, you know, it's, it's 3d with his, you know, pirate teeth and his little earring hanging out and all that's very cool stuff. You know, what I saw was really cool. It was a three, it wasn't really a 3d. It was a, it was a lit display for Tron glass, you know, like a look like backlit glass. If you got your hand close to it, it would sparkle. That's cool. No matter, no matter where you put your hand on, it would sparkle. And it had a little thing in the bottom that said, push to watch something or that, but those didn't seem to work. I'm probably thinking who here at the studio really wants to push those and watch it. Right. But if they put that display out in the public somewhere, yeah, it would probably be pretty cool. Um, there's another, did you see the trailer for moms need or Mars, Mars, needs, Mars moms. needs moms? Yeah, Mars needs that moms, doesn't look yeah. at all. 
Yeah, it looks like uh, motion it's, capture, too. It so. looks kind of dumb. Did it sound like Joan Cusack's uh, voice? Yes, for the mom? it was the mom, yeah. Uh, uh, so that, I'm trying to think if we saw anything else. We were supposed to go see some editing of Pirates. Just that didn't work out. But we did walk on some of the sound stages. We were trying to figure out which sets they were. But they weren't marked. Nobody was around, so we were just kind of peeking our nose in and around. Um, so And one was locked. What I'm surprised is some of these sets were 360 degrees sets, not just a typical three-sided set, you know, where and then cameras on the, uh, the on the one side, and they were they were locked, so we couldn't get a no. So I'm not sure what those were, but um, the two idiot pirates do not appear in stra- on Stranger Tides. And you, yeah, I was looking them up. You looked that up. Yeah, just Gibbs. Yeah. Just Gibbs. I like Gibbs. Gibbs is a yeah. good character. He was a nice guy too at the uh, premieres. Oh, and by the uh, Pirates will premiere at Disneyland. Yeah, that's uh, that's. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's going to be a long day <laughs> if I still have my passes by then. What, what else? I, I smell another vacation coming in. Yeah. That's funny. Do you know? So, why, yeah. why would you smell another vacation coming in? I usually take those days off. <laughs> no, oh, you just don't want to work. See, a lot of people looked at that the other way. That'd be a chance to grab a little OT. Make some extra coin. Get some, well, I get swan. I, I get some extra. I got plenty of extra coin coming in from things that I don't have to. That don't give me headaches. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That that. So that was a that was a good thing. I was trying to think. It was kind of neat. This year at the studio, they haven't really done this much before that I've ever seen. And um, my uh, the person I was with said he had never seen. They have a bunch of like large Christmas balls sitting in different places. I guess menorahs sitting around. That's a very large-scale stuff. Um, and for the first time, I finally went in the Team Disney building. Uh, you know, when we used to take um, – you might remember this, Mike, and I, I don't know, Richard, but when we used to go on tours, and when Eisner was around, that building was, like, off-limits. Don't go in the Team Disney building. Very secure building, yes. Uh, it's not very secure at all. But, <laughs> uh, we went in there, poked our noses around. In fact, we saw this office with the old Tron game – bunch of tron crap sitting around so we i stayed with my buddy out and one of my buddies from school went with me out in the uh to say the hall while someone else went and poked their nose around to find out whose office it was but i was did, surprised did by you find book. out whose office it was he found out who it was and i don't remember but oh, okay. he, had, he was somebody in the motion picture group what i found interesting about this building because it's always been an architectural uh interest to me and i've seen some interior shots of it when it first hit the magazines it's nothing of what I expected. When you go in, you're really kind of outside. You go through these doors, and you're in this little uh, foyer, if you will, with elevators. And then you, if you keep going, you're in a big, um, like, multi-story atrium, courtyard, whatever you want to call it. And so, okay, so, so if I go up there, walk around that, go a little further, then there's another interior atrium further inside the thing's kind of a, a labyrinth and a maze in a lot of ways um but it's just not what i expected uh, by seeing that I, I, obviously they took the choice shots for the magazine uh, yeah. the rest the restaurant you know some of the some of the details that you don't see as an average person walking in there because the rest of it just looked like cubicles and offices and uh things of that nature but uh for being this taboo building that we were not allowed to go into it was kind of anticlimactic but, was it but, a letdown you know, it, it was kind of a letdown it was also kind of bizarre just to see the way it was put together i expected when you first went in that to be like a lobby and nor you know 
kind of fancy and because I've seen some pictures where the, the kind of Mickey shapes are used a lot in archways and furniture and blah, 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 blah. Well, not in this area, it wasn't. But um, what I found more interesting, and I always, every time I take a new person up there, then when I get to go up there is we like to go down in the alias tunnel. Um huh. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's just a tunnel between the, you know animation and ink and paint. But during Alias, they used to redress it to be going down to the their little lair, whatever you want to call uh, call the spy the spy uh, holdout in uh, in Alias. So yeah, that's always kind of fun. But yeah, it was good times. Uh, we bumped into a couple people, got to chit chat, you know, about the the industry, check the archives out, which I'm. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of bored with the archives, but it's a nice little, nice little space. But so, so yeah, that's what I we did with our whole. Day. Oh, okay, we go to the commissary. We never seem to bump into anybody I know. I mean, there there might be people there I just don't know by face. But Carlton Cuse was setting a table over, and he always his. You know who Carlton is, right? Mike, Richard, either one. Carlton Cuse. Yeah. Just lost. Yes. He was lost. His office is currently now on the second floor of the animation building across from um, POW Entertainment, which I, which I believe is um, is um, the Marvel dude. Um, Stan Lee. Stan Lee's uh, newer company. Not 100% positive, but I know Stan Lee's on the second floor because Chris and I bumped into Stan Lee. Watched him have that senior moment that he walked out the wrong door and there were no cars there, um, which was very funny. But anyways, so I see Carlton sitting there, and he reminds me of the guy that plays Hellboy. It was Beauty Ron, and the Beast. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah, he right reminds me of him. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I see that right? Yes. And I I used to listen to his podcasts all the time, watch some of their video ones. So he gets up, and I kind of I looked up. I'm like Carlton. I meant it for the guy that was with me to say, hey, because he knows, you know, uh, he knows him. And uh, whoops, <laughs> he kind of looked down at me and I had my Imagineering shirt on. And he looked down at me, he didn't say anything, but just kind of went on. <laughs> it's, it was one of those moments I didn't mean to blurt it out. I don't know if he actually heard me, but or we just caught eye, you know, eye contact as he walked by. But it was just kind of a funny little stupid moment. <laughs> but, but then after that, before we went to the movies, I bought something for um, the wife uh, for Christmas because I got my student loan money to buy some equipment and I had a few extra bucks and there was deep discounts this time of year for cast members as Richard knows and um, yeah 50% yeah yeah this particular item was only 40 but that was enough to you know I had I had you know 40 bucks in my pocket and the discount got it down to 40 and some change so um, it happened to be Tinkerbell related and David's like, would you like Margaret to sign that? I'm like, sure. Why not? So he calls Margaret up. Hey, Margaret, would you mind if I stop by for a few minutes? You know, this. You remember that guy you met at Disneyland at what time? You she was on the lot? No, no, no. She was at her house. Oh. And uh, he, he calls her up. And by this time, it's worth, I don't know, it's five or six o'clock. There's like nobody on the studio lot by this time. And... um we were one of the few people walking around. So he calls her and, you know, reminded her who I was. We'd met before, talked politics, had dinner together one time in the park. And um, so she yeah, sure, come on over. So we go over to her house. She's she's like, well, I don't want to say where she is. I'll tell you off, off the air where she is. But she was close. 
And uh, so we went over there, hung around with her. She's got to tell stories. Very, very nice lady. So she tells some of her stories. And you didn't have any tape rolling? No, no, I didn't take anything to. I, we took some pictures with her because she signed this item, and then my buddy bought a few things um, for his kids, and she signed signed those. Uh, and then she had all this Hanna Barbera artwork. She goes, you know, I'm trying to give it to school, and they didn't want it because it was copyright. She goes, if you want it, you can take it. And, and by the way, the the tub that's in has to go with it. You got room in your car? So my buddy's like, yeah, you know, my kids would love this. So ended up, and David wasn't paying attention. He's like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, snooze, you lose, you know. Uh, so anyways, long story short, we end up there. We go to the movies. Here was kind of, to me, the coolest part of the day. We saw the movie. We get all done. It's late. We've been out to eat. Go back to the studio. We all rode together. So he left his car there. He, he parks under the um, Frank Pink. Wells building. Okay. And we'd parked in the Zorro lot. That just still throws me off. You know, the what used to be the old Zorro back lot as a parking structure. It just throws me off. So <laughs> we just went, you know, and drove don't, around. What? Don't forget uh, Robinson Crusoe, too. Was it, was it used for that, too? Uh, the Riverside Gate that you come in through? Yeah, yeah. That, that was where they built the Robinson Crusoe USN set. Oh, very cool, very cool. And and when we were killing time and waiting for him while he was doing his thing, too, we'd, I took my buddy over to the ABC building, which is, you know, nothing to get too excited about. It's a nice building. Uh, it's it's clean. It's nice. And got a nice commissary um, in there also. But, yes, Richard, you sound like you want to say something? No, I was just going to say, unless you have to use the audio system there because it's a pain. Oh, it's a nice looking commissary. It's 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 it's, it's kind of an ele- elegant building in its own way, and there's some great photos along the walkway of all the different shows over the years. So we decided to go to the animation building because I'd never been in the new animation building. So he said, "Oh yeah, you can go in there. It's no big deal." So we walked over there. It was just my buddy and I walked in the lobby. It's it's a really kind of a cool entry, but there's a point where you can't go any further. There's a there's a it's not a guard. It's like a receptionist. But they had all kinds of visual displays, and there was this great little. Uh, it was mainly of Tangled right now, and there was this look what like a hand drawing of one of the gay biker Viking guys from the movie, and it's like no photographs beyond this point or else. You know, he's putting his fist down. It's kind of cool. So we go in a little further, and there's it's a really kind of a cool building. But I understand once we get past all the fluff right there, it's just offices and just cubicles. But um, Tell me if you've seen this, because I've never seen it. I thought it was a new movie coming out. And then my buddy recognized it, and then uh, David said it was, um, um, I guess it's been on the Disney, or not the Disney, the ABC Family Channel, whatever it's called. They're like little elves that prepare Santa before yeah, he gets prep, there. Prep and Landing. That, was, yeah. that came out last yeah. year. Uh-huh. I, guess, I guess they have a new one for this year. Yeah. And it looked really cool. I'm like, I want to see this. It looks really kind of cool. I guess one of them doesn't want to be. He, yeah, uh, well, he missed, out, he missed out on a promotion. Oh, okay. And I, I guess this year they show him sitting on the side of the, the house. He wants to do something else and all that. And I'm like, this looks really cool. And that, the whole kind of like, I, I, I see why you'd like it, Mike. The whole kind of like getting ready, like you're landing on a, a aircraft carrier, yeah. you know, putting a hook down and the, the cable yes. and all that. And, uh, and the, the, the TV show was scored by... Uh, Michael Giacchino. Yeah, Giacchino. Yeah, so I noticed that in a little preview. I guess the same people that did Tangled also did that. So they were showing them in the same little uh, display. Uh, so that that was kind of cool. And right now up on the big uh, Sorcerer's Head outside, they put a little Tangled uh, applique on that for the moment. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I haven't, I've not been in that building before. I've I'd, I'd parked in the ABC 
parking structure, which goes amazingly deep. I'm surprised how much parking's underneath that. Uh, same with Zorro, a lot down and a lot up. And um, I find it uh, interesting that they put out promotional stuff where you know these things are made. Well, we've got to remember they have visitors, people from the outside. Yeah, yeah, in. yeah. And I think they're just pumping. You know, not everybody is making. Some people are receptionists, or so you're still kind of promoting it to people who might not be creative. It's it's also a lot of times they put the stuff up. Uh, this is what marketing wants to put up somewhere so they set it up in a walkthrough area to see how you know the powers that be take a look at it is going does it fit right does it feel right or do or adjustments needed to be made onto it so a lot of times you get that oh that's interesting i can see that uh so and then we saw we when we were walking through the old original animation building um, if I, uh, Damon Lindelof, his new offices are down, I think, where uh, Wells had his office. Um, it's kind of nice, you know. He, something ain't even, right about that. Well, remember, though, when we first went there, Mike, and when we went to the third floor, they're like, you know, Walt's office would have been down here, but, you know, that's now Eisner's area, and you couldn't go past a certain area. Uh, well, now you can just walk up there. And I, in fact, I. Well, I, I, I do remember. I, I used the old executive restroom last time I was there. That's, that's nice. <laughs> Got to mark your spot, right? I remember that there's those paintings, though. The paintings on the walls. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, Frank Walls, there's the one, that red Mickey avant-garde-looking thing that... Yeah, that's not there anymore. Well, he, but he, you know, the story was Frank Walls had this move because it gave him a headache. He didn't oh, want, yeah, he didn't want to see it. He didn't want to see it from from his office. Yeah. The, well, what I didn't know until the recent my recent trips there is, you know, at the... At that end, close to the Team Disney building, where that entrance is, because that's where, you know, Eisner would have people come see him. He didn't like the old entry was kind of like the other side, so you know they created this. Uh, I don't want to say atrium, but kind of an atrium. They put some glass in the the roof. They opened it up a little bit, and there's this big Mickey on the wall that's like um, it's almost like a carpet, you know, as you go up the stairs. Um, and uh, Mark Eads was telling telling David a little bit about how it had changed up there, you know, for them. And I guess the the fourth floor where the little restaurant used to be, I think it's like a hair salon or some something now. It's not the little uh, executive uh, dining area that used to be up there. Now that we did get to go up to once, I remember, and I thought it was kind of a cool, quaint little uh, little joint up there. But it's it's not what it used to be. So you know, it was kind of neat to kind of walk around there. David Cassidy's office is actually down by where Walt's office would have been on that side. Um, it says David when Cassidy it, Productions. David, when he's not da- being picked up by the cops. Sure, sure, yeah. David Cassidy, the partridge David Cassidy? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you know, Terry Hatcher's productions offices are up there. Stan Lee's the second floor. I didn't look where Terry's was. I just saw her name on the list. Um, she's got offices in there. I mean, any... Anybody that works with Disney, frankly, has their own production company, and they're somewhere up there. Well, yeah, that's all it is for the most part in the old animation building. is all pro- different production companies and production offices. Um, the, screening, it, the screening rooms are still all up there, too, and a couple of them had their lights on. Something's going on inside. Um, Bruckheimer still has an office there, too, doesn't he? You know, I did not see um, Bruckheimer's name, but I wasn't really closely looking at every name. I was kind of you know, trying to give an overview to my friend who was definitely having a little bit of a starstruck moment uh he had worked he's worked on some independent film stuff while he's going to school and he he's been on some studio lots but you know he was he's not real necessarily a disney fan so it wasn't like going to mecca or anything but um 
just being there, seeing a lot of the equipment, and what I was going to say about being in the animation building, there was a sign posted saying, blah, blah, time, blah, blah, uh, criminal minds, blah, blah, we'll be filming for blah, blah, if you see this, blah, blah, just move on, blah, blah, whatever the, you know, the blah, blahs were. And uh, so we got down to the other end, and I'm like, you know, it's about that time. And we look out the window from the, we're in the second or third floor saying, yep, look, that, you know, there's the chair. Okay, that guy's got his little utility bag. Okay, there's some lights. Okay, yep, they're going to do it right here. And I think, oh, I wonder what they're going to do because it was drizzling. Well, then they walked away. Oh, okay, maybe they canceled it. So I said, you know, I, I want to go over to the ATM. Walk around the corner. Here we see craft services setting up. We see all these uh, light stands and we see stands, all this stuff setting up. Oh, they moved over here where there's a little, there's not a lot of cover, but there's, it's slowing the rain down a little bit, you know. And so they ended up setting up over there for like a little 30-minute shoot um, while we were there. And Kendra, Katrina says that Criminal Minds is just brilliantly written. Even Karen has... Um, that show creeps me out sometimes. Yes, that's that's what they're saying is so great about it, though, that it it's written so well, and it can be a little creepy. It's like you're in the mind of the criminal. Um, I'm just surprised at how many... ABC productions are not on ABC. I mean, yeah. they're <laughs> CBS. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's what's even funny about it because the last season, they just started to brand them ABC Productions, and I understand CBS isn't real thrilled about that, but it is an ABC production, so they're they're putting their little produced by or ABC production uh, tag on all their films. That's uh, going to be interesting to see what happens because uh, uh, the um, Amazing Race is still. Although, is that Touchstone? And what about Survivor? I thought that was it. Uh, Survivor is, is Fox. Disney is Pass. Fox? No, yeah, no. That, Survivor's on CBS. Survivor's? I thought, what's the one that's on Fox? Is that The Great Race? No, Amazing what's Race is on also on CBS. Oh, okay. Maybe uh, I screwed that up. Fox what? has like Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay. I know Disney yeah, Pass. When I, when I listened to the Disney War book, they said they had passed on Survivor. Because I remember... Uh, that was one thing that came up. Uh, a couple people I know at work, they would really like to participate. Um, myself, I w- wouldn't mind going on the Amazing Race, but I'm ineligible because I work for the parent company, the parent production, or, you know, work for Disney. Um, but I remember there was two people that were very, very interested in getting into Survivor, and they were ineligible for the same reason. And I didn't realize Disney had a connection to Survivor. All right. All right. In the book, they said they passed on it. I don't think they they. I have to I have to check that out. I didn't think they had anything to do with Survivor. I don't know. I did. I wasn't sure, and I thought I heard something that uh, Disney, whatever connection they had, they dropped out again. So I don't know. I, I didn't think they ever had any. Uh... And of course, speaking of Mike, you did notice on this next season of Survivor starting on February twentieth. Yeah, be high definition. High definition. That'll be very cool. And it's all it's all uh, second and third place finishers too. Yeah. So nobody knew. Yeah, but these are fun people. Yes, they are. I, right, I don't so, know. Survivor does nothing for me. Not, I don't like Survivor anymore either. Uh, I, yeah. In fact, there was an article in the Register this weekend. Uh, Survivor is hoping they can survive. The uh, ratings with their finales these this week and I guess this next week is the finale of a show. That was today. Was that today? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It shows you how much I'm interested. Yeah. In that's awesome. Yeah. I you know I might be remotely somewhat disinterested and interested in 
the great race, but it's still it's too what would you call it uh, reality for me. Though I did see an interesting pieces of one the other day when it was like dad and kid or sister and sister or mom and kid, and it seems somewhat interesting. But um, just in general, you know, I, it seems like it's for stations and production companies that can't write scripts anymore. Well, and, 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 a, and television stations. It's who, a different kind you know, of. Uh, it requires a different kind of mentality to, to uh, display a story or a storyline or an arc, right? Because they film all that stuff and they have to catalog it, and that's I think the uh, I don't want to use the word genius, but it, that's that's what's remarkable about it is that they well, film yeah. they film all this yeah. stuff and it's cataloged and, and and stored in such a fashion that when they go back to edit it. They they can pick and choose what they want to show to make, and they can put, and they can break. put a really good storyline to it. Yeah. Well, is it really a storyline, or are they just let's say they bicker a lot, they drop any good times they're having, and they 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 build a I'm air quoting a story arc around this particular line of bickering or a rivalry with another team or, or a rivalry. So it's I mean yeah I I don't want to take away from the editors because the editors can make or break a show. But, um, but I mean, they have to know what yeah. they've captured. As my point, they they you know the the people who put this or edit these episodes, I don't think are out on the road with these teams. No, no, no. They're give, they're given an edit decision list by uh, the director or the associate pro- uh, producers, and um, they're they're pretty much you know you, edit decision list is given to an editor, and it says time code blah 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 blah. You type that in, and then you have yes. that little little piece, and then you have some choices to tighten it up. You know, shorten it up and make some and adjustments to it. But you I know. think I think also you have a lot of uh, stuff that's being reported into the producers from the camera crews. You got to remember, this is literally going around the world. You got all the different camera crews that are with the different teams that are reporting different items to the producers. Because when you're at the uh, end of each leg, you not only have to have the rules because there's sometimes where some of the people break the rules and they have to face a penalty on it. But you have the host standing there, and he's asking certain questions. And, of course, you got your little interview time where people are explaining things after the fact. So it's quite a bit of a coordination on that, and that's why I think Amazing Race has been taking the uh, Emmy ever since they created the reality show. Uh, uh, this this um, last year... This last year was the first year they didn't take the Emmy for reality television. Who took it? I forgot. Runway? Was it Project Runway? Hell's Kitchen? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so, so many of these <coughs> non-scripted shows are so scripted, it's deadly obvious. Um, you know, one of the ones I really like, but it's obvious it's scripted, is Pawn Stars. Ah, you know, yes. It, it gives you the reality feel, but it is it is heavily scripted. Uh, I like Chumley. <laughs> Chumley's an idiot. Yeah, well, no, here here's I agree with you, Mike. But here would be the ultimate. Um, how would you say it? Twist is Chumley's like really brilliant. Yeah, he's so he's so brilliant. He can play this idiot so well because yeah. Did you see the one with the little monkey? The, no, the little toy monkey that plays, you know, hits the um, that was symbols. on yesterday. Symbols that yeah, it's it's a, it's a couple weeks old. 
Yeah. So, right. I, yeah. so Chumley imitates it. It's like, <laughs> oh god, this is. And when when the old man talks, oh, you know, especially when he's off, when they're taking him out of the uh, the store to talk, like out in the parking lot, it is so forced. Um, yeah, he's not long on personality. No, not no, a lot of people th- skill going on there. No, but I think overall they put together a pretty good shows that's interesting about yes. the yes. stuff that comes through there. Same with, the, I think the American Pickers are actually better at their script. They seem much more natural than the Pawn well, Star. Y- you know, it's funny. You, you, I was gonna, I was gonna uh, bring up the Pickers next because you know when they show them knocking on the door and, and talking to the person. It feels like it's the first time, doesn't it? But you know it's not. It can't be. It can't be because they got to get the guy's permission. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, tape there, all, there's, there's all I didn't realize until <laughs> we talked to this other dude. I don't even remember his name at the studio. How much permission and how much you have to cover. Um, for instance, let's say we're writing a story about um, Greg McNaughton, the podcaster. Let's say some story is being written. Somebody pulls this name out of their hat. Oh, I'm going to make this this show about, uh, oh, I don't know, a podcaster, and we're going to call him Greg McNaughton. Well, one of the first things you have to do is make sure there is no real Greg McNaughton who is a podcaster that does a similar thing that will be in the movie. So let's say Greg McNaughton was a lawyer, and he was a trial lawyer, and he was in L.A. They're going to make sure there is no Greg McNaughton trial lawyer in L.A. Hmm. Because that could possibly come back uh, even though they put that little thing that, you know, no one in this story is real, blah, blah, fictitious, blah, blah, blah. That's just a catch-all at the end. They really go through and make sure, you know, unless you have permission, let's say, to have GE products shown, you're going to make sure there's no GE logo seen anywhere on a refrigerator or a stove. They'll pull those things off and put fake ones. That, you know, whatever they have to do, this is, I mean, it's got so legal that they go through and search for all of this crap. Um, even names of people in the same, like I say, in the same professions. So it's pretty deep. And so you have to, you have to have a lot of permissions, you know, especially if you're like an independent producer and you want to go sell your show some to somebody. If you don't have permission or permits to show you could, let's say I, I went and filmed in my uh, wife's cousin's restaurant, but I never got anything from permission or pulled permits. Nobody will touch it. So you you yeah. really got to think far ahead, and have your your ducks in a row, as they say, if you want to take this places. So it's it's it was, it was interesting. Got a lot of good things. Well, but I was going to tell you what what the coolest thing in the world was. You know, okay, I'd meet I'd met Margaret Carey before. Nice lady. It's kind of cool to go to her house and all that. But at the end of the night, I'm like, okay, sh- shouldn't we go over to the, uh, you know, the main entrance at the studio to drop you off at, at your building. No, the only one open is Buena Vista. Okay. I, I drove drove across the studio in the rain at night. I just thought that was cool because usually we walk <laughs> through the studio. You know, I've never got to, well, see, wait, did I drive my car on stage once? Yes, I think when we were filming with that one time with you, Richard, I think once we drove a little bit on stage with the car. But in general, you've driven Disney cars on the maybe on through Disneyland or a scooter. But not your own. So I'm in my own personal vehicle driving around the Walt Disney lot, which I thought was really cool. Drove back by the sound stages, drove right by the old animation building. I just thought that was cool. I I, I never get to do that. And so so you're geeking out a bit, I take it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I wish I'd had my video camera or my 5D with me, but I never bring the 5D because that kind of makes you stand out. I took Karen's little point and shoot 
you know, people are taking pictures on the lot all, all day with the statues, with this and that. But usually little point and shoots. Nobody's coming in there with a big rig that would look a little suspicious. So didn't do that. Uh, so, yes, I wish I would have <laughs> had my other camera in the trunk or something because I probably would have geeked out a little bit and um, did that particular video shoot that, um, yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. So, some stupid, but it was kind of cool. So, I'm glad you're having fun up there. Yeah, now if I can just land that job, I'll be really happy. Oh, you know. <laughs> I'm supposed to go see somebody that's in um, post-production after the first of the year. They were a little busy wrapping up a few of the season shows. See, you know, a season or uh, not actually season ending, but uh, how would you say it? Uh, Christmas break. Christmas break stuff. So, and then a whole bunch of new. Um, uh, pilots are being ordered, so you know there's potential for even some low-end jobs. So um, hopefully, you know, something will happen because the mortgage company is knocking at the door. So I need to find work. Uh, all right. Uh, well, is there anything else you wanted to cover in this uh, this particular episode? Uh, no, not other than you know, if they're a listener to the other show, a new show is about out, and you can subscribe now and support the show. I have a few people who must have heard me say that a couple of weeks ago because I picked up a couple subscribers over there without putting out a new show. But a new show is in, in the works, in the writing. So, you know, if you want to help the poor guy who can't make his mortgage payment, you can do that. I'm not saying the show is leaving. I'm only saying that you have an opportunity to make a one-time donation or a monthly subscriber. You talk about Imagining My Way, then. <laughs> yeah, Imagining My Way. You can do $1, 2 or $3 a month. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to... You pretty much don't need to say any more than that. I'm not going to play it up like, you know, if you don't do it, I won't be able to continue my show and visit the parks. Nah, none of that stuff. So, All right, not, saying that, not saying that anybody did. I'm just saying that <laughs> if, if you feel like helping, there is a means for you to do so. so. Uh, well, And if you want to say go to hell, you can do that. Do you have too. the entire URL at your fingertips? Uh, imaginarymyway.com. Really? That's, that's my fingertips. Yeah, it's a long one, I know. No, but I'm... But it's on every single page except for the index page. You have to click through the castle. Once you're clicked inside the castle, then you can you can do that. Oh, I see down here. Donation. One dollar a month. Awesome. Yep. Or if I'm thinking there's a pull down, you can do three. One, or two or three. Two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I might have taken the one-time donation thing off and just left. I don't know. I was working. Once I figured out the PayPal thing, I uh, was playing with it a little bit and... Uh, so, thank you to those who have uh, subscribed. By the way, that's good. I don't know why we never did this for MiceCast, but yeah. You know. uh. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I said. For all these years, where everybody else has been asking for donations, to the point of one individual saying, "I want to buy this high def camera. Give me money." I Otherwise, was, I can't do shows. Uh, no, he already had a GL2, uh, uh. but the GL2 does kind of stand out in the park. Uh, I just, you know. Do what do whatever you want, but you know, I don't know. Outright asking for a camera that that just I don't know. You know, support the production of the show. That's good enough for me. You know, to 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 go in and say I need to buy this camera. I just, I don't know. I just seemed something about that hit me wrong. Maybe it doesn't. Other people just you know, you know what part of it is growing up in the you know. Um, Christian schools and churches and, you know, these people always, always ask for money, yeah. more money. It's like watching Jerry's kids over the last 40 years. You'd think the damn kids would be healed by now. Jerry's got a lot of money. 
uh, and he's collected a lot of money, and they haven't made a dent. So, you know, it's kind of that that thing. You know, it's like, Jesus, Jerry, I know you're doing a good job here, but let's see, can we get him some better whatever, you know? It's like that old thing with, uh, what, <laughs> what was it, the, the meathead's wife um, from All in the Family? What was her name? Uh, oh, jeez. You know what I'm talking, Sally. Yeah, Sally, Sally. Sally Struthers. Sally Struthers. She used to do that um, that show where she'd be walking around with the, the kids that were practically, their, the, you know, their flesh was falling off their bones and they needed some food. Yeah, so they feed the children, Christian some, children's some, stones, One like of that. those, yeah. And yeah, they still do that. She just doesn't do it. It's this guy that does it The now. old guy with the beard, yeah. I think yeah. it was Saturday Night Live or one of those shows made fun and fun of her while she's walking because she kind of got kind of tubby for a while she's walking down the street like taking the food from the kids and feeding herself that's funny uh, it, it was kind of funny but you know sometimes you wonder you wonder if these people who are begging for your money um are given any of their own i am pretty sure jerry lewis from what i've heard and read he's he's very generous but um sometimes it doesn't it make you wonder Yes, they're always asking you for yours, but what have you contributed? Because you're far in a better place to contribute than many of the people you're asking from. But uh, just you know, after seeing some abuses in the church I went to uh, with funds they had collected, I, I I've become somewhat skeptical of of some of these things. So. All right, all right. So is that it then? Well, that's all I can think of, unless uh, Shaft has something to say. Well, the only thing I want to say is, uh, by the Walt Disney World uh, Marathon Weekend coming up in just a few weeks here, or hopefully very soon from the time the show comes up. So, just want to wish everybody well on the uh, Walt Disney World with all that yeah. fun stuff and hopefully some good weather out there. Today's yes. the 19th. This show will be out before uh, before next Sunday. Oh, very good. So that, that'll be right there on the uh, first weekend of uh, January. And, of course, that weekend I'll be over at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Uh, good for you. I, uh, um, you. You know, by the way, Richard, something you might want to check out is a site called uh, Sparkio, I think it's called. It's uh, everything you need to sell your expertise on expertise online through video. It's, uh, it's oh. kind of like a, say, an online... Um, portfolio in a way you know ah okay that just happens to be one i've seen a few of them lately as i've been searching around i've just been using you know facebook and stuff to promote uh some of my stuff but there are um some interesting sites set up to make kind of like your own portfolio um sites if you will if you don't i guess it's for those people who don't really you know i'm gonna start putting more into my regular website but for those who, who can't manipulate a simple wordpress or um other. Can't go. Get, can't do more than point and shoot. Well, no, not point and shoot, but someone who can't use software to make a website. You yeah. dream, whether it be Dreamweaver, you know, WordPress or uh, i iWeb or whatever. What's PC? What kind of? They got anything they package anymore with uh, Adobe? Like, Adobe, Adobe, Adobe uh, Dreamweaver. They got a simple one. Uh, I don't know. Like I, for instance, like iWeb. A, a monkey can make a website <laughs> that looks great. There, you know? there might be some templates out there. I don't know. I just wondered if, because that's kind of a, a one of the packages with Mac that comes with a few different pro productivity type um, softwares, and, and it's it's kind of a cool little program. But, uh, but anyways, um, so so when's this going to be posted, Mike? 
probably by Friday. And I wish everybody Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. That's yes. right. That, yep. Good. Good call there, Shaft. <laughs> Back in the, <laughs> yeah, that's that is a good call. <laughs> Friday's Christmas Eve, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah can you believe it's here already? Another year. God, it goes fast. Down the toilet. Yeah, you know, it's been one of those years where, you, again, you got to argue with the in-laws about, you know, not everybody's name needs to be in the hat. I'm not working. That person's not working. Oh, the kids. I'm like, make the parents responsible. Yeah, so we can't be responsible for, yeah. you know, for everybody here. You know, it's just... You know they don't they don't get it. Uh, one or one of her aunts is he just got to take any job he can get. He's like we're looking for any job he can get. It just you know none of those jobs have uh, come through. I mean I've applied to move cars for Hertz. You know those kind of things. Just just can't seem. You're to too young. Out. No, I think I think I got a combination of two things: age. And a resume that looks good enough that most of those places think as soon as a good job comes along, he's gone, and they don't want they don't want those people. Who's playing that? It's my theme song. <laughs> oh. I have no idea what you're talking about, Mike. Oh, we could I too could play that game. Oh, can they? <laughs> recognize this tune, Greg. I, it's, is, is that uh, Tron? Yeah. Did you go out and buy the soundtrack? I did not buy the soundtrack, but I do have the soundtrack. Okay. You you acquired it. It was gifted to me, yes. Oh, very nice. Uh, you know, what, what was the name of that? The band? Something Punk? Daft Punk, yeah. Daft, is it, now, is that a band I should maybe you've heard of or I, no I don't know it depends I, you know if you're under 30 probably I guess I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes at school they're like what kind of music do you like um, and I said something about Trans-Siberian Orchestra and they're like they looked at me funny oh yeah I listen to that all the time I'm like I don't think they realized it was kind of a Christmas thing but um, yeah some of the some of the things they mention because um, I was saying you know, I can't stand rap for the most part and especially gangster rap and oh, gangster rap's not really around anymore. You know, it's kind of dying out. And, and I'll say, well, you know, fast I, enough. I, I, I said I kind of like Will Smith. Well, he's not rap. They, and I'm thinking, I, I thought Will Smith was kind of cool. <laughs> I, I guess he's not considered so cool anymore. I don't know. No, he's too mainstream. Is he? Yeah, yeah he's too commercial and mainstream. He, he's, yeah. Anyways, never mind. All right then. It, you know, it's, it's it's like having Bill Cosby at an NACC, was it NACC, uh, whatever it is, and double ACP. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh it's my like gosh! Bill Cosby at one of their meetings. Oh, you know, it's funny. The other, I was driving. You know, we're coming home from the studio. We were listening to uh, Jim uh, Tim Conway Jr. and he's doing his little segment. What the hell did Jesse Jackson say? And the dude with me is black. I'm thinking, oh, God, I hope he doesn't take this. It's really racist. But um, <laughs> the little clips that Tim plays, you cannot understand what the hell he's saying. So people call in. Oh, I think he said this. And they got these little col- collections of times he said no. Sometimes it'll be no. And other times it'll be no, no, no. <laughs> it's a riot. I mean, cause his, his speech is so bad. I, I don't know if he's, like, had an aneurysm or something. It's just like. Uh, 
Who, it's funny. It's okay. Funny. Anyways, what you don't you don't know who Tim Conway Jr. is? I know who Tim Conway Jr. is. Okay, I think yeah, I think we had this discussion. Yes, I'm probably probably more than once. Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, nothing sounds great than having Shaft played by the UK Ukulele Orchestra. What? Didn't I play that for you once before? I, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear show it. Sometime later. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear yeah, it. I, I don't want to hear it because I've already had to put up with, you know, <laughs> stuff like this, which is is you know, only someone named Shaft would give you something like this. It's it's the twelve redneck days of Christmas. <laughs> uh, no no no! I have the twelve pains of Christmas. No, you gave me this whole CD called. A redneck Christmas. This happens to be one of the. I, I don't remember that because yeah. I don't have any copies of that. So <laughs> no, because so, you gave it to me. So we'll play your redneck music. Am I? Am I? I don't know what you would call that stuff. Techno. I don't. Techno. I, I don't know what they're called anymore. <laughs> I did show Shaft uh, Laser Man or a little bit of it. I made a little commercial for school on Electronica, and he had not seen Laser Man, which I was surprised he'd still not got over there to see that. Yeah, Laser Man, cool. Laser Man was cool. I think what really, to me, was the, uh, say the the coup de gras for Laser Man, is when he took the laser off the platform, off the platform, yeah. off, you know, made it kind of like a Darth Maul type, uh, you know, laser shield. What are they called? Um, Lightsabers. Lightsaber. Yeah. yeah, that that was cool. Okay, the bending. Okay, I've seen something similar to that. Not as good as this guy did it, but when you know he totally picked it up, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that was cool. Okay. Oh, excuse me. All right, guys, I think it's time to wrap this up. Yeah, we're kind of babbling here. Yeah. But then again, we've been babbling for two hours. So. Sure. All, All right, right, well, I will say good night. Okay, good. Good night. Good night. Good night.